You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Ah, uh, the sound of my childhood. Guys, it is it is episodes like this that that bring me to the table. Getting a chance to talk about something so core to my childhood. Um, man, this one's gonna be special. Thank you guys for tuning in to yet another episode of Systematic Geekology. We are two of the priests to the geeks. I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Tejas. How you doing? The apex legend, I would prefer. Uh, thank you. Thank you. My name is TJ Blackwell. I've uh, been geeking out on apex lately just because I'm, I'm about that ranked grind right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're a better man than me. That's a that's a a grind. Um I have been uh geeking out on a game called Little Hope. It's a it's more it's like two parts movie and one part game. It's, you know, you basically control the characters and make choices along the way and it's horror themed and your choices affect the storyline and it's a it's a part of a whole series of games that my brother introduced my wife and i to and oh it's part of the the series that the quarry is a part of um it's one of the earlier games um dark picture anthology i think it's called anyway oh yeah okay okay i know what you're talking about like man of medan and that stuff yeah yeah, it is phenomenal. Um, I am a sucker for choose your own adventure stories. Um, man, out of all of the people, I just got to start off by saying, out of all of the people that I thought that I would be sitting across from having this particular conversation, which by the way, if you didn't catch it from the beginning today, we are beginning our conversation on Mortal Kombat. And dude, I'm I'm simultaneously shocked but also not shocked at all that you're the one that's like yes give me a double dose of that mortal Kombat goodness oh yeah no i've always my video game niche has always been fighting games and racing games uh, i just recently got into like the whole fps scene which is why i'm you know constantly on it because i have to catch up <laughs> but i've been playing fighting games since i was old enough to play games i'm all about i I grew up so i was part of that halo era of gamers so i i was kind of forced into the fps scene but i was never really good at it i just kind of was fine it was more of a, a hanging out with friends sort of thing fighting games on the other hand that that and re- what is now considered retro gaming. Let me go che- adjust my AARP. Hang on. Um, those that was my my main wheelhouse. So when I I have very distinct memories of picking up the original uh, Mortal. Well, my my parents picking up the original Mortal Kombat and just <laughs> I remember they were they were very surprised at how much bloodshed this game had. And trust me, I did not grow up in like a Christian household. So it wasn't like there there was any kind of, you know, misgivings about any of that kind of stuff. They were just, they're like, isn't this made for for kids? And like at the same token, I'm playing games like Sonic and stuff like that, that is like as little kid friendly as you're going to get for that time. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Yeah, it was... I remember, like, we would play the FPS games, right? But we never had internet at my house. So, like, I could play them. I could play the story mode. Uh, you know, I loved the Halo games. Uh, I did Halo 2 Lasso, barely, which we might need to do an episode on, but Lasso is uh, legendary all skulls on. It's, like, the hardest challenge in gaming, some people think. I it, I don't think it's that bad. But uh, I was good at the campaign, but I never got to play against other people. You don't get, like, the same. You know, yeah. it's not the same thing. It really isn't. So recently, you know, got online, like multiplayer FPS. But I definitely, anytime I would go to somebody's house, I would bring my copy of, you know, Soul Calibur 4, Mortal Kombat 9, uh, Blaze Blue, Continuum Shift, uh, Street Fighter 4, Ultra, all of them. Just because, you know, we'd just go through them. And that's what I would prefer to do. You know, they'd boot up Modern Warfare 2 and... You know, I'd lose a couple games and then we'd play every fighting game I brought and we'd see, you know, the state of the living room the end of a couple hours. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, for me, it was for for outside of like your, you know, Nintendo's and stuff like that as the the consoles advanced, it was very much um, fighting games and wrestling games, which basically are the same premise, just slightly tweaked. Um, but yeah, that's, that's funny how eerily similar that sounds to some of my backstory growing up in the sticks. Internet at home is not necessarily always an option. And so, yeah, there's just something about missing out on the online component of FPSs that just kind of puts you behind the eight ball a little bit in comparison to other people, you know? So we're starting off the conversation um, with the the 2D era of Mortal Kombat. So Mortal Kombat has a long lineage at this point. Um, started in the 90s and has gone through, and their last one came out in, was that 19? The, the last game came out? Oh, the box somewhere. I think it's 19. Yeah. Um, and and so we it all starts off with that, with that, you know the tournament everybody knows about the tournament and the this this era goes through one two three ultimate in trilogy and this this was some of the first storytelling that i remember being enamored with you know what i mean like this for my little kid brain kind of had stakes you know what i mean like you had to win the tournament in order to you know save humankind and then you know when it switches over to oh now we have to go into outworld to to win that tournament to save humankind and all of that this was just such simplistic storytelling but so captivating to me at the time you know what i mean yeah i think being able to tell the same story over and over and over again is something you can really only do in a fighting game yeah. because the premise may be the same, but they're going to change the rest of the game. So it feels fresh to me. Sometimes it doesn't, I'm going to play yeah, it anyway. That doesn't always, that doesn't always happen successfully when it's, when it's attempted. But honestly, like that is one of the beautiful things about fighting games to me is it's not about adding a whole bunch of different, you know, added like changing the game dynamics. The game dynamics are the fun part. It's changing the story to tell a different story around the same 
game mechanics. You know what I mean? And any of them that you look at, if you look at Street Fighter, if you look at Tekken, if you look at Mortal Kombat, all of those, all of these different, you know, tentpole stories, if you look at their first couple of games, if they're a, a multi-generational um, uh, franchise, you look at the first couple of games and a lot of the time it's now we have to do this particular thing and fight for this particular reason and so on and so forth. And you just kind of find yourself in that same place. But if it's done right, each game should be building on the mythology of the one that came before it. You know what I mean? Like the first Mortal Kombat was based in Earth and it was the invasion of Outworld and them trying to take over Earth and Earthrealm lost the last nine tournaments and so their back is against the wall and enter our protagonist off and on, but mainly on, of the entirety of the Mortal Kombat series, Liu Kang. Um, Liu Kang. Yeah. So I'm curious, when you first got into Mortal Kombat, did you go that very standard route of this guy is very clearly supposed to be the hero of this story? And so this is going to be my favorite character, or did you gravitate to somebody else? So for me, I really started playing these games in. Uh, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Okay. Uh, on the DS. Crazy, right? Came with like the Tetris Mortal Kombat. Never played that part. But uh, for whatever reason, uh, I started playing the game. And I was like, man, Cabal is awesome. So yeah, I, yeah, I was just a Cabal main. And I am in every game. It's either Cabal or Smoke. I'm a huge fan of Smoke. I love Smoke. Me too. Yeah, I love smoke, but uh, for me it was Cabal. Uh, Liu Kang I thought was really boring. Uh, yeah, at first, so I just like, oh, screw that guy. I'm not interested. Go be the main character of the story. I don't care. Cabal right. runs fast. Yeah, yeah. That so so that that very thing. It, it's interesting to me. I want to put a pin in that, but you said he seemed boring. And that was a lot of the same thing for me. I went for, so my first guy was uh, Sub-Zero. I, I absolutely gravitated towards Sub-Zero. And then once Smoke was introduced, Smoke became my guy. And I would kind of go for, I don't know, I always tend to tended more towards like either anti-hero or villain characters, or that sort of thing, off from who is very clearly the main character, the leading force of the franchise. Um, and I, it, it's it's interesting because I look back, and and this just kind of fits in with the time, but you didn't realize how how much this franchise changed gaming. And kind of what was ex what was acceptable for gaming, and even that that this was a proof of concept. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people hear what we say, what we said about kind of repackaging the same game mechanic but with a different story as boring. I question the fact that most of those people also like uh, first person shooters and FPSs are the same game game mechanics centered around you know, a different story, but I digress. Um, but, but so much of this had, had ripple effects that have 
that shaped the way that gaming would go on forward, you know? Yeah. It's, I think if we were rating like all time video game influence, number one would probably be like Street Fighter or Call of Duty, but Mortal Kombat's like comfortably in the two to three. Like it is insane. How much I would Kombat say that those three from. that you just said are probably the top three that I can think of, unless you're you're counting like <clears throat> initial proof of concepts with with things like Pong or Mario or those kinds of things. Yeah, like, yeah, those those ones that that lighted that lit the spark that walked so that way you know these other games could run and all of that. Yes, yeah, but I think that to to, to look at the 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 linear influence from from that time to what is most popular now and what most people flock to now i would absolutely agree with you that that's probably the top three as far as influence and and honestly for me it depends on what day you ask me as to what order i would put those three in because they're so interchangeable in a lot of ways you know i think actually i would probably put halo in there instead of call of duty halo Mm -hmm. combat evolved the first one but you know they're they're close, but right. it's up because uh, Midway played Street Fighter and they're like, okay, this is cool. This is too hard to play. Like if you've played the first Street Fighter on an arcade cabinet, and even if you know the moves, it is extremely hard to consistently do any special moves in Street Fighter One. And Mortal Kombat was like, what if this was significantly easier, and there was more happening on the screen? Yeah. What if we just got really bloody? And so that's what they did, and it worked great. And yeah. I mean, if you've played Mortal Kombat one or two on the arcade cabinet, it is still a lot more difficult than you're probably used to to do all the special moves. But it's nowhere near as hard as it was for Street Fighter. And they took learned from Mortal Kombat, like okay, a whole lot of people are playing it. We need to make this easier to do so people continue to play our game. Yeah, yeah, and, and honestly, like, that was really what the biggest differentiation was for me for between those two those two franchises because you know i grew up when a lot of those initial ones were coming out where you could really see the difference between the and also in the arcade you know if you were going to it was just kind of universally known on the playground that if you were going to go to an arcade street fighter was just a more challenging game and was going to eat more of your quarters than mortal Kombat would. And because you know, they, they have your, you have kind of the set four attacks and then you see significantly shorter combo strings in order to get off special moves and things like that. And that's before they even inter, uh, introduced, uh, you know, background stuff and like interacting with the background and all of those yeah. kinds of things. I honestly, that's probably one of the most compelling things about Mortal Kombat that has led to their success is before they even had like more of the story where you get into like Shao Kahn and Outworld and Shinnok and the Elder Gods and all of that kind of stuff, when they actually start to really tell the story, you had this bloody side-scrolling beat of, uh, fighter that essentially was just, you, 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 it was a, it was a gory 
you know, uh, 10 year old boy's dream to be fighting in like this, you know, that with these backdrops and all this kind of stuff. And you were just hoping that somehow you could, you know, knock your opponent off the ledge and they would fall down into the spikes, which shout out to the movie for making that a thing and actually bringing that to life at the end. That was awesome, but we'll get there. Um, so yeah, that have you, I'm curious and, and I, I think I'm about to feel really old. Did you have an opportunity to play any of these games in the arcade? I mean, not in the original run, but, uh, right. there is actually a barcade a couple minutes away that has a Mortal Kombat two cabinet. Oh, nice. So nice. Yeah. Whenever we gets right next to an ax throwing place. So whenever we go over there, you know, we'll go hit the Mortal Kombat two arcade. Of course. It's also the only fighting game it has, which oh, I thought was weird. But it's a good one, so I'm not mad. But it's funny yeah. to see, you know, other people try and play this old Mortal Kombat game where the inputs are harder. You can't just look up the move list. Right. And they just, you know, they can't really do it. Yeah. But- and and that's, kind of, uh, that's a, you know, honestly, one of the things that I hear a lot from, you know, oh, that's too simplistic. Fighting games are just too simplistic and things like that. Well, go try and play one of the older fighting games wasn't so simplistic and you know things were a lot more difficult to to try and sequence and all of those kinds of things it took actual skill and timing yeah it's uh another thing Mortal Kombat did is uh they wanted to prioritize aggression so blocking is not you know back in Mortal Kombat like most fighting games it's a button you just have a button to block it's not hold backwards which yep. you know slows down the game for most people until you reach like a, a higher, a much higher skill level, that slows down the game. More kind of like, mm, no, let's just let them run in and hold the button for a second and then do what they want to do, and it works. So, it's much better for casual audience. Yeah, honestly, I think that that's that's the key. If you if you look at you know, there's obviously always a conversation to be had about timing and about right place, right time and all of those kinds of things. But if you look at Mortal Kombat in comparison to its contemporaries, A, like you said, they were willing to um, grow and do things different and look and see what needed to be changed and all of those kinds of things. And they were very much bleeding edge in that regard. But also they... The whole presentation and timing of it is is one of the biggest reasons why they've had more staying power than the rest of the though their contemporaries. You know what I mean? A lot of the the contemporaries that you find have either be gotten eaten by, you know, Soul Calibur and Soul Calibur is more of the reason why they're still known today or Super Smash or something along those lines. But Whereas with Mortal Kombat, it kind of sits in its own world in a good way. And then, you know, you had your you had your first two. And of course, like any good capitalists, you know, when the when the iron's hot, you got to keep pumping them out. You got to keep making them and all that. And so you see three and four, you know, two uh, again, one and two kind of extensions of one another in a lot of respects. That's why you see um, most times that you see the beginning of the story depicted in some form, be it the reboot, be it the movies. They've done it a couple of different times. You see that tournament and then you see that right there after the interaction between Earthrealm and um, and uh, the Outworld, 
those are actually those are two separate parts. Part one and part two, they'll just kind of get get lumped together into one story. It's not until three where you start to see more of the backstory fleshed out. The Elder Gods introduced. The uh, Shinnok is is introduced at this point, and you see more of the world expanding. And I just I can't help but but look at the way that they did it and whether or not it was intentional or not. The pacing was was just bra- bravo. Like they, I, I think their pacing for how they unfolded the story was just great. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it feels more like you're witnessing a story play out in real time than I thought. You know, for early Tekken or Street Fighter. Uh, because it's like you're living the story you know you play through the tournament a little while later you play through the outworld invasion and then Raiden does his thing it's just more gradual and i think that's again better for the casual audience uh another thing midway was a lot less trigger happy with its re-releases it's you know it's cabinet updates than capcom i think there were like 11 versions of street fighter 2 yeah which is not good for <laughs> the reason. I mean, it's fine, but it's cool to have that many different versions to play. But you couldn't get used to one. Right. Unless you were going every day to play the current one. Right. Which helped with casual audience retention. That's why these days Street Fighter is more of the like competitive niche and everybody plays Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah, I... And- I'm not sure that I can point to a better example of how to of how to make the transition that each one of these games, you know, they all kind of hit the same roadblock of people of uh, home console and the home console market and the shift away from going to arcades and, you know, needing to compete at a, at a console level, um, which is exactly why we got uh, ultimate, ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 because they released Mortal Kombat 3 in its original like arcade variant on uh, consoles and people got mad because it had less character, less playable characters than two and just kind of uh, people felt shortchanged as 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 a as a console release and so they slap ultimate on it unlock everybody give everybody as a playable character and then re-release and i'm not sure i'm not sure we saw another another um group more willingly make the shift over to home console out of this generation of fighting titles and things no it's uh I mean, Capcom sort of, but they just released a home console edition of uh, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, uh, Street Fighter... God, what is the other one? They released like a home console version for a ton of versions for each Street Fighter game instead of committing to one, which is fine. I own like 16 of them, but, you know, a lot of people aren't willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my parents asking me when I was a kid, when, you know, you'd go to the store and pick up the Sega Genesis carts and, and all of that, or go to the, the rental, the rental store and rent Genesis carts. Um, they'd be like, well, wait, didn't you just rent that game? Didn't you just get that game? And I had to explain to them that, Nope, it's a different game because they just released 87 versions of the same game, just with different, 
you know, Greek alphabet letters attached to it. Alpha, yeah. beta, you know what I mean? Alpha Street Fighter 3, Third Strike. Yeah. But uh, it's def- I was fortunate enough to be prominent in the scene after that. Yeah. You know, in the era where if they had to update the game, they could just update the game yeah. and not sell you a whole new game. But I have heard horror stories of people, you know, buying, you know, Super Street Fighter 4 for yeah. 60 bucks. And then a month later, Ultra Street Fighter 4 comes out and it's a different game for another 60 bucks. Yep. And that's the one you have to play because that's when everyone's playing. Yeah, everybody talks about so so my generation is filled with a bunch of curmudgeonly people. Just being honest. Um we are a, a curmudgeonly sort and we will we will yell at the clouds whenever you give us an opportunity to yell at the clouds. And one of the yelling at the cloud moments that we have a lot of times for 30 somethings is um kids these days don't know what it means to get a complete game and it's this argument that dlc is the downfall of gaming there's always a downfall of gaming the 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 elimination of couch co-op was was the last one before that that was the downfall of gaming don't get me wrong i I really really and let me just in case for 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 those of you that didn't catch us really prefer couch co-op to online multiplayer like i always will that's just that's the era that i grew up in i will always prefer couch co-op but it you gotta you gotta allow for for innovation if you want the thing that you love to stay around and you want to be able to take a step back and say you know what this person of a different generation also likes this thing because it it changed and because the way that they did it you know innovated with the time and all of that kind of stuff but i digress but yeah, I was in that same, I, I was of that, that generation in that scene of, uh, of people that like, you know, we all talk about how wonderful it was when we would get these full and complete games and it wasn't DLC and all of that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, that also opened the door for stuff like this to happen where you either got a crap game that you couldn't, you, there was really no means other than the magazines, which were delayed you weren't going to get a review of it. You couldn't pop on YouTube to get a review of things. So you didn't know what quality of game you were getting. And I do think that we romanticize sometimes how good some of these games were, but also at the same token, like they, they would pull stunts like this where you have, you know, MK three, MK ultimate MK trilogy, which are essentially remasters of the same game. They're all basically mm-hmm. the same game. Slight tweaks, slight character differences, slight balancing differences, different things like that. Like there's little, there are changes, but not very many. You know what I mean? And and that I think we need to keep a keep a full and complete picture of what things were before we had the opportunity to sample games or to have games changed or updated when there's a major flaw in the game itself you know what i mean yeah i think uh, capcom is still the worst offender they got away with it until 2014 when yeah. they released ultra street fighter 4 on the console but if you do just want to blame dlc for ruining gaming that's uh, that's all bethesda's fault that is yeah uh elder scrolls 4 oblivion with the horse armor which you know just something really small that does not add much to the game that you had to pay money for. Uh, the horse armor DLC for Oblivion was $24 and did nothing except put a cosmetic armor on your horse. There you go. Well, I did a couple other things, but they're very small. 
But uh, fighting games actually have been particularly egregious with the tiny, ineffectual DLC uh, lately, especially lately. For a long time, it's just been, you can buy this character, six bucks, add it to your game, instead of making a whole new game to put that character in. Right. Uh, I actually, I kind of like that. That's cool with me. Smash Bros. does it. Guilty Gear does it. Uh, Tekken, they all do it now. Even Mortal Kombat does it. Mortal Kombat 11, if you don't buy Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate, not the same as what we were talking about before. It includes all the other characters. But if you buy a base Mortal Kombat 11, you have to buy all of the characters. Or you can spend a little bit more money, get Ultimate Mortal Kombat 11, or Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate, and get all of the DLC characters included. Right. Uh, Some of the worst examples, though, of fighting game DLC, Tekken 7, made people pay to get the frame data for the moves in the game. So you had to pay like five bucks to get the frame data for your moves, which doesn't matter at all to a casual audience. But for people like me who like to know the numbers and like to know what I can possibly do in a situation, that stuff's important. Uh, Guilty Gear Strive did the same thing, which sucks because I love Guilty Gear Strive. But I also have the season pass, which is the only way you can get the frame data for your moves in the game. Just build it in. Just build it in. Simple. Yeah, I. You know, I, I'm I'm not wholly against DLC. I think that in the right context, I think it can add to a game. I do think that it gets out of bounds with some of these different reskins and different things like that. That a lot of times Call of Duty will do. Um, you know, with with all of these different characters that they introduced that are just just characters they're just reskins of the base person they're not like there's nothing new about them so really you're just paying for a cosmetic thing and like there to me there's a difference between that and like paying to actually get something that will improve the game or add on to the game or something along those lines mm-hmm. you know honestly i think that there's ways to to thread that needle of still being able to have certain things that are only unlockable by completing the game and then other things that are that are add-ons that you can that you can pay for along the way you know yeah yeah mortal kombat does that really well these days in the modern era because their dlc is more story and more characters and you don't have to buy a whole new game that's one of the things that I appreciate the most out of their newest entry is the f- is just the cinematics of it all, the story that got told, and that was in the way that they told the story was just awesome. But again, we'll get there. This is there's just so much meat on the bone as far as this goes. But from a game perspective, right? If you if what you're looking for is just bone crunching carnage candy on a more trim down platform these are the games you know Mm -hmm. there are other games that are good i i am a huge fighting game fan so i could sit here and rattle off 10 fighting games that from from this era that are just awesome but this to me holds a special place for a lot of reasons but to me i i don't think that there is even a uh, a conversation for a clear competitor for a number one spot for the best fighting game at this point in time. We're not talking about 
current stuff or or what came next or whatever because there is a dark period a little bit for for the Mortal Kombat uh franchise but in this in this glory time of of fighting games I just for what it is and for its contemporaries I'm not sure that there's anything better than than the original run of 2D Mortal Kombat games yeah yeah you'll get your Street Fighter Puritans your yep. overseas King of Fighters guys, but at the end of the day, Mortal Kombat is just more fun. Yeah, yeah, I think, especially on the old ones. The new ones, they're all good, but on the old ones, it's definitely Mortal Kombat's the easiest, and sometimes the stupidest. I, I think Reptile had like an infinite combo in Mortal Kombat One, which yep. is you've called, uh, of course borderline impossible to pull off because it's on one or two. Yeah, it's two. Yeah, it's hard to do. But it's possible. You can just kill him after you touch him once. Yep. But that was also the last time they let Reptile be good in a Mortal Kombat game, and that's upsetting. Yeah, that is. Yeah. He was okay in They, nine, they did him dirty. I am a man. I am a Puritan for Ninja Reptile. I I don't know what this lizard monstrosity is that that they introduced. I I am absolutely more of a fan of the Green Ninja. I kind of like I kind of like the lizard reptile. You know, it's multicolored ninjas. That's whatever. We still have enough of those, in my opinion. Yeah. We still have Sub-Zero and Scorpion and Smoke and Noob Saibot and Rain and Scarlet. Like, yeah. I'm over it. Let one of them be <laughs> just messed up. Yeah. In my opinion. I can see where you're coming from. He could still be better. All right, so I wanna I wanna now pull the pin on that thing that that came up before, and I wanna have a conversation about Liu Kang. Editor's note: There's like three or four different, very famous sound bites that you can find of Liu Kang. Uh, toasty. Um, there's the sound. There's a sound effect of him doing the bicycle kick. There's tons of them. Ball. Yeah, look around. Find some of those those uh, sound bites and go ahead and have a field day. So Liu Kang, the 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 protagonist of Mortal Kombat, he is the chosen one. Um, it is very much his hero's journey that the rest of these characters are um, wrapped up in, and it's kind of you know it's not until you kind of get past. Three, I think, is the is the tipping point where it's no longer just out and out. This is the Liu Kang show, right? I think that's where you start to see more of an introduction of meaningful storylines from other characters and not just the new flavor of ice cream to go against our conquering hero. And it's interesting that you use that word boring because I think in a lot of ways you find a lot of the same things said about Liu Kang as you hear about the Big Blue Boy Scout or you hear about the detractors of Goku and people that are very clearly supposed to be this holier-than-thou kind of upper echelon character in a sea of other people that sometimes are more compelling, but because they aren't the main character, they don't get as much meat on the book. Yeah, I just think personally for me, it's different because uh, I think Liu Kang is a loser. Such an interesting world. And Liu Kang can kick really fast and shoot fireballs. Yeah. Until more recently. But like his, his best friend is a saw for a hat. Yeah. Awesome. That 
Kung, Kung Lao is, uh, that, I really hope that Kung Lao is a big part of if they do actually go forward with a new game set in the new world that is yeah. created that yeah. I, I really hope that we find out more about Kung Lao because that's a whole untapped well of conversation. So Kung Lao, for those of you that don't know, the mythology of Goro is built around killing this great, you know, conquering hero Kung Lao that Liu Kang is a descendant of. And and so you hear about the great legendary Kung Lao referred to as, and I honestly, uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I remember having distinct uh, experiences of game uh, of of playing Mortal Kombat where I would hear references made to the great Kung Lao. And I'm like, okay, um, I'd rather that than Liu Kang. You know what I mean? Like, I would rather have Kung Lao be the introduction piece that somehow we bring back Kung Lao and he's the, def- but whatever, than just this, I'll say it, milk toast hero that is this centerpiece that, like you said, he kicks really fast and he shoots fireballs. And to a, a, a kid at the time, you know, when you compare him with a guy that shoots a thing, a rope basically out of his, out of the palm of his hand or somebody who has ice powers or something like that, or killer robots, it's just kind of, I don't know, um, a, a bland conquering hero archetype to use words that I can use now that I can put lyrics to now that I would have no idea was a thing at that point in time when I, I just knew that he was boring, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just not as interesting as the dude with robot legs and hook swords that could also shoot a fireball. Right. You know? Yeah. You almost see, you see so many different aspects of what Liu Kang can do done better by others while they're doing other things also. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And honestly, it wasn't until, um, it was, this is, I think we are going to see as much as we see an evolution in the storytelling, we are also going to see an evolution in Liu Kang as a character and how he's used in all of those kinds of things. But honestly, this is very deep in that part of the story where Liu Kang is just generic hero number five that comes to save the day and all of that. Honestly, that that's part of what I loved about the movie is at least they gave him some personality and gave him wisecracking lines and gave him sarcasm and a little bit more depth of character than just, you know, your conquering hero, Jean-Claude Van Damme archetype number five, you know? Yeah. But man, Jean-Claude Van Damme, perfect character for Luke King. Yeah. So, or so a little, a little tongue in cheek, they they originally wanted Jean Claude Van Damme to be the archetype for Liu Kang, and that was supposed he was supposed to be the you know the character going forward. We would see that he would be more closely associated with Street Fighter because of that movie, which we'd have to do an episode on at some point in time because that original movie is a uh, is ridiculous. For all the people that hate on Armageddon, I'm like. You you know y'all are hating on Armageddon, but we're just letting uh, we're just letting Street Fighter go go through untalked about. That's cool, but that's not okay. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, man, I that is. I'm not going to pretend the Mortal Kombat movies are actually good movies, but they're definitely not as bad as the Street Fighter movie. Oh, one one unequivocally, both, and I'm saying this for 
all three, honestly, of the of the Mortal Kombat movies. And you'll have to tune in once we get to there, when we start talking about the movies to, to have a more fleshed out opinion. But I think all three of those movies stand up better than any of the movies that that Street Fighter put out. And I'm in, I personally am including the animated movie in that. But so this is kind of where where we where we put a, a pin in the conversation for now as far as where everything sits we'll see if Liu Kang continues to be a messiah figure um spoilers he does at in 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 different and honestly they just turn the volume up on that as time goes oh, on yeah. uh, you know honestly it's it's interesting to me that each one of these characters you know i'm going to i'm going to use Liu Kang superman and and Goku before we wrap up I know I just kind of went into the wrap up and, and but but before we before we actually put a pin in this I think it's interesting that you could that that you have plenty of people that would call any three of those characters boring or milk toast or or predictable or something along those lines and yeah some of those things at different points in time are are all true but as far as just an out and out egregious offender of being the stereotype without much more effort put into it in these early days of of the 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 Mortal Kombat franchise for my money for as for as great as these games are and I could sit here and and we could go you know if you guys are listening to this real time you're about 45 minutes into listening to TJ and I gush over you know these these movies or these these games um for and we could go another 45 minutes very easily but the weakest part is their main character the weakest part is is Liu Kang and I think that is the biggest offender for just going the path of least resistance and making a stereotypical character rather than a character that has depth and nuance underneath that archetype. Mm-hmm. Liu Kang is all up front. This dude is the chosen one. He's the Mary Sue. He can get it done. And if he yep. can't get it done, he'll be able to in a few minutes. Give him a couple of minutes in the hyperbolic time chamber and he'll be all right. I'm just, I'm just being yeah. honest that, you know what I mean? Like that's, that, that is very, but, but I would almost argue I, I, and, and here's a question to ponder, right? Does a, does a series like Mortal Kombat get as far as it has without starting off with, 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 without starting off with a conquering hero? You know what I mean? Like you've got your your superhero, the guy leading the charge, the guy that, you know, if you want that character, you can put little kids can hope in the main character and the main hero of Liu Kang. But does this franchise continue on for as long as it does without a character like Liu Kang to be able to kind of prop up story progression while other these other side characters are off doing doing their own thing or or are you of the opinion that you know what just put it in the hands of the misfits and the ridiculous characters and things like that and then have more of a temple kung lao character that comes in every once in a while when stuff really gets real i feel like if they didn't have their luke hang uh it would end up a lot more like the killer instinct series which yeah. is popular, but nowhere near as popular as Mortal Kombat. Fell out of relevance for a very long time. Yeah. And just isn't as well loved or appreciated. 
Yeah. So side side note, as far as that goes, I actually did not realize that Killer Instinct had made a comeback until I saw it pop up on Game Pass, and it and it it took me down a whole rabbit hole of emulators and a whole generation of people trying to bring this game back. And I did my '90s kid heart well because I remember when that came out. When that game came out, and you're, I think you're right. I think because of all of the different varying superpowers that the different characters have, I could definitely. See see a world where it would go the way of like a killer instinct without having this main character that so much emphasis can be put on yeah like definitely it would still be a cult classic yeah for sure like the like dark stalkers but it would not be mortal Kombat. so you know it's this is for like like we said this is first in What's going to be, you know, we're going to talk about all of the different generations of um, the Mortal Kombat games. So to to listen to our wonderful takes of these um, these games and and everything else that we uh, are putting out. Don't forget that you can check us out at systematicgeekology.org. And if you want to hear even more from us, hear more of our special um, movie reviews of the Narniad um, that we've been doing along the way in the year of Lewis, uh, as well as a variety of other specials, you can check out patreon.com slash systematic geekology and help us keep the lights on. Before we wrap up, what uh, you want to tell the people what you have um, for recommendations? Now, now that I'm in like a fighting game mood, uh, I have to recommend Guilty Gear. Any of them. Guilty Gear yeah. is such a unique fighting game, fighting series. It is Guilty Gear Strive is fantastic. I don't recommend buying it uh, until you know you like the series because it is Guilty Gear. It is a little different. You, the archetypes vary wildly, a lot more than most games, but it is so good and remarkably well balanced. Yeah, like it's it's the only fighting game I can think of where I can see the worst character in the game winning the biggest tournament in the world. It could happen in Guilty Gear Strive. Yeah, it's also yeah. just wacky uh, and fun. So play it. It really is. If you if what you like is more of the arcade side rather than like the deep, rich, nuanced storytelling side. If you just, if you want an, uh, an arcade t- style fighting game, that's a little bit off from center of what you know to be a standard fighting game, then absolutely check out Guilty Gear. I, I think that that's, it's one of the more underrated uh, series within fighting games. Oh yeah. And if you just want to learn about it, they are, they have comic books and the story in every game is just a visual novel. You can just find them online. Um, for me, I am going to, uh, suggest going, we, we mentioned it in this, in this, uh, the, in this episode, you go, go do yourself a favor, check out Mortal Kombat 1995, go check out if you can find it, Defenders of the Realm. It was a, it was a short lived, um, cartoon that Mortal Kombat came out with that was around the same time of the original run. It was part of Mortal Kombat going on everything and them diversifying the IP as much as they could, you know, and all of that. I like it. 
a lot of a cr- critical response that you're going to hear of it is that it sucks. But uh, honestly, just if you're going into it for a popcorn cartoon, you know, made for little kids and, and all that, it's wonderful. And then do yourself the favor and check out Mortal Kombat Armageddon because it it is it is asinine in all of the best ways. It is absolutely ridiculous, and please do not go in thinking that it's going to be a good movie. But no. it is yeah. good for being a bad game. Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna see Luke Kang turn into a dragon? But like if actually not, turn into a, a, a bipedal dragon. Yeah, like legit turns into the logo. Yeah. If you don't want to see that, don't watch the movie. Yeah, that's what you're that's what you're in for. Um and and, and you know, mud fight scenes and everything in between. It is like I said, a product of its time for sure. Yeah. You want to see Goro but, get punched in the balls? Yeah. Classic. That's that's about it. So um thank you guys for joining us for another wonderful adventure into one of our favorite geekdoms um to hear more from any of our esteemed panel of hosts you can go to systematicgeekology.org check out the host tab all of our side projects and various different things are located there and remember as always that we are all a chosen people a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.